Another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. Hear me, listeners. No longer am I the co-host you once knew. I am fire and life incarnate. Now and forever, I am Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, it's so glad. I'm so glad to have you back. I know you were down in a cocoon in Jamaica Bay, but now you're uh, you're here. I'm not even a fan of like snorkeling, uh, really. So it's been uncomfortable. Uh, so I am uh, just as you are very glad to be back. And uh, uh, I, I guess there's a bunch of people I should really thank because you've had some really amazing co-hosts. We we have had a lot of lot of really fun people uh, joining the show uh, in your absence, and I cannot thank them enough. Uh, it's been a blast. Uh, and I'm just I'm so glad you're back though, because as great as they are, and they include some of my favorite people in the world. Uh, you know this this podcast is a joint project between you and me, who were goofing off on Twitter one day and saying we should do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like you've had so many people named Chris on or or Christy that you should have named it like you know A to C or you know. I, I don't know, but um, Charlie, Sarah, Miles, Chris Christie, Matt, Chris Hassan, Chris Robinson, Alex Goldman, thank you for filling in. I greatly appreciate it. And, of it, course, Zach, thank you for carrying on the show. I mean, look, I was going to do the show without you or with <laughs> you. It didn't matter. I like doing this. And I have the password to the podcast hosting site, and you don't because I had already had it set up. That is true. Uh, and I am I feel like we've picked a good week. Like, if I came back last week, I, I probably would have liked the Glob episode. But I'm glad we're jumping in with uh, a Rogan Gambit episode. I love them. We are. And we're jumping in with a Rogan Gambit episode thanks to Patreon supporter Applejack. Applejack. Possibly Applejay. Mm. Uh, I, I can't be sure. There is no space. So I think it's Applejack. How do you and- feel about the cereal Applejack's? I feel like, well, here's the thing. I'm not really much of a cereal guy anymore in my okay, life. Okay, okay, fair. I remember liking Apple Jacks, but when I have cereal, like, Raisin Bran is about as funky as I'll get. That is not very funky. It's not. It's not <laughs> funky at all. I'm I'm more of a coffee and eggs kind of guy. Like, I'll, I'll fry up an egg. Uh, give me some sunny side up with a little bit of that toast, and mmm, that's <laughs> that's all I want in life is coffee and eggs. Are Apple Jacks one of those cereals that like cut up the roof of your mouth, like they're made of fiberglass, uh, or is that just Captain Crunch? I'm getting off on a tangent. I'm sorry, you were saying. Well, Apple Jib brought us this wonderful Gambit and Rogues episode. Apple Jib did bring us this wonderful uh, Gambit and Rogue episode because Apple Jib went over to Patreon.com, uh, found Battle of the Atom, and said, guys. Here's my gift to you. It's it's my support, and please talk about this couple that I really like. And the story that Apple just said, please craft, please please handcraft an episode around this story was Gambit uh, by uh, James Asmus. Uh, they selected, I think, issue 10, but we decided to take the whole arc around it, going with issue uh, 9 through 12, Tombstone Blue. Yeah, uh, uh, Tombstone referring to the uh, classic Spider-Man villain. Was not expecting to see him here. I was not. Uh, as a sidebar, did you know I started reading Spider-Man and it's good? Oh, I've been uh, waiting for you to do that as a Spider-Man fan. And uh, it's been fun watching your reactions on, on Twitter because that run is something else. It's so good. Here's the thing. Silver Age X-Men is so bad and boring. Mm-hmm. That it it threw me off of the entire Silver Age for a hot second, and I was like, I know that some of these are classic stories, but I'm just not into it. Mm-hmm. But Amazing Spider-Man has Stan Lee and Steve Ditko doing bits and goofs the whole time, oh, it's like so they're good. in on it. <laughs> yes, yes, it's it's incredible. Spider-Man does not appear in this comic by James Asmus. Uh, Clay Man does the 
bulk of the arc with uh, Paco Medina, uh, Dexter Soy, and Leonard Kirk uh, jumping in uh, to help out a little bit later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Adam, why don't you do the honors in telling telling our listeners what happens in this one? Well, Gambit begins, uh, he's in search of, of a woman named Joelle and follows her to a supervillain friendly nightclub where clothing is certainly somewhat optional. Uh, Are called... we talking about the uh, the nightclub with no name? The yes. upgraded version of the bar with no name? Yes, the club with no name. Uh, and there is a lot of skin here and a lot of supervillains trying to uh, to pick people up. <laughs> <laughs> including members of aim uh who else is here uh, uh you got the serpent society <laughs> batrock zilipa is there boomerang's here ruby thursday's here titania's here uh and the uh the wrecking crew we got some wrecking crew guys uh lady stiltman does make an appearance it's it's quite a quite a group yeah, and it's played very like straight. Like uh, it's not like an uncanny Avengers where they turned the Avengers Mansion into a, a role playing <laughs> hotel. Um, this is like no, this is for real, and these guys are trying to pick up girls. And Tombstone's just chilling in what I guess this used to be a bank. Sure. Okay. So, uh, Joelle. I don't know. Too familiar with Joelle? Uh, she's... she's a very new character exclusive to this run. She was the Bond girl for the first arc of this. Like, I, I don't I don't want to bring her down to just describing her as the girl, but she's she's the James Bond girl. She is she is the flirty love interest of Gambit who has her own agenda. That's pretty much what's going on here. Uh, she's also is she immortal? Like what? I'm t- she's trying to save. Is it she's trying to save her her daughter her she, daughter who's so, an old woman yeah I will I will tell you that this is probably not the best uh plotted thing in the world but essentially uh, Joel made a deal with the devil uh, that she would live forever and then she got really tired of that because she now has to watch everyone she loves die including her daughter who dies as an old woman because it's been a long time. Okay. Okay. That, that was a little unclear to me. Um, but she's definitely in search of, uh, some way to save her kid. And that involves, uh, trying to find some like mystery fountain of youth from Baron Von Zemo. (laughs) Or no, no, Strucker. It's a, uh, yeah, it's from, uh, Strucker. Uh, but it's not actually a fountain of youth. It's actually like this nanobot cloud thing that will eat through anything and disintegrate anything because all she wants to do is die. Yeah, okay. But, like, why not just cut her life support? Like, why go through all this trouble if it's... Because she wants to die. Because Joelle also wants to die, which is why she gets eaten by the nanobots at the end. Okay, that that makes a little more sense. Um... Again, again, the plot in this, not the best laid out. Well, and that's fine because the what is fun about this, I did enjoy this quite a bit. It is kind of like a Bond movie, you know. We have the club scene, we have the criminal like Tombstone is getting involved in this. Then they have to break into uh, Strucker's old lab, and then there's kind of like you know henchmen zombies after them. Uh, there's a, a snowy sex scene. There's uh you know oh, and then rogue shows up rogue, rogue shows up shows right up. after that <laughs> they're broken up at the time rogue is with those uncanny avengers mm. uh and her and gambit have a real heart to heart in issue 11 just talking about their relationship uh and what they mean to each other and how rogue just wants to make sure he's safe even though he's kind of uh i'd say going off the rails but he's just doing gambit stuff yeah yeah, uh, you know, he's getting his criminal record back up and running, and uh, Rogue's just kind of, like, checking in. I-, I can't quite tell whether Gambit's appreciative of that or if he just wants to keep going on with his Joel side mission, but um, it is a nice little back and forth with them. It is good. Uh, I will say... Uh... You're right. It's kind of like an action movie setup. There's a big ending where everything happens. Uh, the art in this is fabulous. Clayman is he's doing an incredible job here. Oh, I love Clayman's stuff here. I think it's really cool, um, and it it fits the genre. You know, like there's this. Yeah. Even the even the finale involves like just like an action movie. There's a there's a helicopter involved. <laughs> 
involved. Like it, it really does sell that. And look, Clay Man is a sexy artist. He he does that, but especially in this, he's very much an equal opportunity cheesecake artist in that he tries to make Gambit look as hot as possible. Oh yeah. Uh definitely. Yeah. So like he's just got the right vibe for this. This is a book about beautiful people doing crimes and escapades, and Clayman is the absolute right artist for it. It looks yeah. great. He does some real emotive stuff, especially in that issue eleven uh, between Rogue and Gambit. Uh, it's a good one. I don't like. I'm not overly fond of this run, but I understand why people do enjoy it. Yeah, I like the I like the way that Tombstone is portrayed here as sort of this like muscly supervillain guy, um, which is not like typically how I think of him. I, I You don't think of Lonnie Lincoln as having big muscles? I don't I know. I had a Tombstone action figure. I had a Tombstone action figure as a kid really? from Spider Man the animated series. Uh yeah, and Tombstone in there had bulging biceps that if you press the button on his back, he would flex. Uh, more so yes i always think of tombstone as ripped i always think of him as extremely tall and like sure. kind of silver agey maybe I, I i'm just too caught up on his uh his original incarnation but um the only thing i i took a little bit of issue here with is that like rogue kind of seems a little bit not like she's not depowered but doesn't seem as uh, rogue as she usually is you know like she gets taken out both by Joel and by a henchman within a couple of pages. And it just seems right. Uncharacteristic, shall we say as to how invulnerable uh, she typically is. Yeah. It's uh it's probably not the best rogue uh, story, but I tend to like it in general. I think it's a, I think it's a fun little fun little tale. It is. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, now, Geez, man, I'm looking at this list and I'm a little confused. There's Onslaught on here now. <laughs> oh, yeah, you missed all of Onslaught. That's the one <laughs> that you didn't have to do. Uh, uh, so be be happy about that one. Uh, we have oh, how many stories? How many stories do we have on 324 this list? now? I think when we I have... left, it was at 303. So there's a good 21 stories here that I am not sure what they are <laughs> well that's fine uh because we we on this show we do rank every x-men story from a to z uh and also from best to worst M- honestly more from best to worst i feel like i feel like you guys can handle the a to z part yourself uh we'll handle best to worst number one is the dark phoenix saga number and this is just as much for you adam as it is for our listeners number 50 is storm and Eliana magic Number 100 is Generation X 18 and 19 for the sake of the children. 150 is X-Men Endangered Species. 200 is Spider-Man and the X-Men numbers 4 and 5, the time they had a science fair fight and went into space. Uh, 250 is Ultimate X-Men The Tempest, which is, of course, the story with the stairs. Uh Number 300 is Wolverine, 98 to 100, Furnace of His Mind, Anvil of His Heart. And 324 is the Draco. It's bad. Um, this is better than a, than some of those, not better than all of them. Probably better than Stairs. Yeah, I. Uh, mm, this is fun. Um, but I don't know if I would call it like a, a huge classic. Uh, I don't know. For whatever reason, I just... I was scrolling up the list and saw Colossus Bloodline at 258. Is this better than that? I think it's better than Bloodline. Okay. Um, how about the first it, arc of Extraordinary X-Men? Oh, uh, I I like this better than that. How how do you feel about it compared to uh, a little farther up the list at 242, Daken, Dark Wolverine, Moonwalking? Um, I, that's a good comparison. They're, they're very, uh, similar in terms of kind of like wanting to tell an action story, though. That one's a little bit more of a detective story or it wants to be, mm-hmm. so, uh, but I like this better. Um, uh, what about X 23, four to seven songs of the orphan child? That is also a real fun gambit story, but I think, Hmm. 
That one's got good uh, Sana Tanaka art. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I definitely like what better than what's below that, which is the girl school from Heck run of Excalibur, that arc. And I don't think I like it as much as Bishop's Crossing at 233. Well, then let's slide it in right below that X-23 story. Great. I think that's a good place to put it. Good, because it's now at 235 Tombstone Blues. Tombstone Blues. All right, next on our list uh, is a story that I picked because I know there's, like, one page that Rogan Gambit people uh, really like. Also, I want to do an aside here. May I, may I do an aside? Uh, please do. Uh, is this a Zach's Hot Take Corner, or are we just doing This a... is, in fact, a cold take. Oh, okay. Chili, this is, chili this is take. Me, this is me taking what I believe people have lit their torches and <laughs> set ablaze to say, this is one of Zach's Hot Takes. And instead, I am taking a cold bucket of water and tossing it over and saying, hold on, guys, because this may shock some of you. Mm. I like Bishop and I like Gambit. I get you- them confused a lot. <laughs> I, I do like Gambit, though. He's very easy to make fun of, and it's really fun to make fun of him because <laughs> he's ridiculous. Okay. But I do like Gambit. I think oh, he's yeah. Neat. Uh, we no problem with Gambit. I like the Gambit. Uh, yeah, that's not really a hot take. I mean, it's not. People think I hate Gambit. I think. Oh, really? I think so. Uh, here's I what think I people think I hate Gambit because I make fun of Gambit. And look, guys, he wears a head sock and hot pink armor and fingerless gloves to go be a thief. He buys so many packs of training of cars that he keeps the bicycle company, you know, <laughs> up and running. He has the world's worst accent because it's not actually a Cajun accent. And I know a friend of the show, Tom Cummins, would uh, fight about how true that is. He just thought like this, yeah. Oh yeah, not you with Gambit. Gambit, he, he gonna wash all your trouble away. Here's what I will say about Gambit. Um, what are you going to say about Gambit? I, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more with the third story, but I like Gambit so much more as <clears throat> a couple with Rogue um, or as a foil Absolutely. to Rogue or as a foil to somebody else. You know, like when Gambit and Deadpool have a miniseries, I like that. You know, like Gambit works a lot less for me as a solo character. Um, but when he is a counterpoint to the team or he's with another like close character. I, I, I'm very, very much on board for Gambit. Um, like I what, will throw an yeah, go ahead. actual hot take about Gambit. Yeah. Family, I guess, or a thing I hate, uh, the thieves guild, the thieves guild is dumb <laughs> and all the mythology around it is dumb and people stop doing <laughs> thieves guild stories. No one likes them. <laughs> I did appreciate that in that last story we just did, they did, like name drop the Teeves Guild, and there's like a, a a guy watching the door who's like, "Oh snap, he's in a Teeves Guild!" <laughs> like, at gotta the let end you of that in. Run. Here's the thing: the Gambit thing is pretty good, but at the end of that run, uh, Asmus has Gambit become king of the Teeves Guild, Ooh, yeah. and it's just this whole thing about here's this ancient thing about the Teeves Guild, and guys, I'm done with the Teeves Guild. Yeah, I was done with it in the Gambit miniseries. I mean, the potions and all that stuff, we, we really don't need it at all. Um, well, the top collector's going to get you, Adam. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that stuff was fun when they introduced it to a certain extent, but it is played out. So um, this next story is uh, about as far removed from the Teeves Guild as we can get, um, because this is the aftermath to uh, Age of X, this is not an age of x-man update to my knowledge (laughs) no he's not in this one he's not uh i got excited uh no but you're right this is x-men legacy 248 to 249 age of x aftermath the age of x was mike carey's uh big alternate reality story it's actually pretty darn good i'm excited to eventually come back to it for this show Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Carey's pretty good, guys. Uh, there was actually a bunch of discourse about Mike Carey uh, on the internet today because we were talking about stuff. And I like Mike Carey a lot. I think there are some flaws with his X-Men Legacy run as a whole. 
but individual units like this two-piece uh, story here I think really works. Uh, the first issue is drawn by Jorge Molina and the second uh, by Rafa Sandoval. Uh, and this is... Uh, everyone has a lot of bad trauma from the age of X. And uh, what do they do with that trauma, Adam? I, before we talk about this, wouldn't it be cool if there was like an age of X-Men aftermath? Like, I, I just... I would love to see an Aftershock issue where we deal with like Jean-Luc, you know, or or any of the other things. Because basically what Age of X Aftermath is, is all of these characters confronting what their different personality was within the Age of X construct, um, which is kind of complicated. You know, it's it's uh, built by a Moira who was built by Legion, kind of. Yeah, it's built by one of Legion's personalities. Uh, right. To make Legion the hero and make him feel better about himself. Because uh, David Holler had a rough rough upbringing and a rough going as a comic book character, which we can all agree about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but he seems pretty pretty with it uh, here. The, um, the, the problem is that these characters have gone through a lifetime over the course of just seven days. Um, one of whom I thought, interestingly enough, was Cannonball, who Mike Carey does this to twice because he does it with Serafina during Children of the Vault as well. He does. He does. Serafina, who uh, is in X-Men comics again. So all these characters are kind of dealing with the repercussions of what they were. Um, this is, of course, when Frenzy and Cyclops have been in a very long-term relationship and are kind of dealing with the fallout of that because Cyclops is In like, the alternate reality. Yes, yes, had. yes. Um, but Cyclops is not interested. Frenzy is like, oh, I was into that. And um, Frenzy's great here. Yeah, uh, Joanna Cargill wasn't a character until this, and then she super was, mm -hmm. and I'm so into it. Uh, Carrie's run does tend to, uh, especially after Age of uh, X, kind of peter off into some weird stuff uh, where he's a little directionless, but I think uh, the work he does with Frenzy is great. In this issue, she confronts that she doesn't want to just be this enforcer for the acolytes or the whatever the axis of evil or whatever their team name was uh the bad team name they had she wants to like do something good and be like the fighter and the hero that she was in uh in the age of x yeah so she changes that uh and i think that's really good we also uh you know, we get a lot from a lot of different characters, many of who decide they don't want to remember anything from Age of X, many of who don't want to remember specifics. Uh, you get a lot of that. But I think the big the big reason we touched on this is because of the main character of these two stories, at least, is Rogue. And mm -hmm. Rogue gets – Rogue is probably more of a sounding board in these issues, uh, especially because she has to decide between Gambit and Magneto. Oh, boy. Uh, it's a – we got a love triangle situation going on here. <laughs> Not Joseph. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, you missed all the Joseph content while you were gone. <laughs> well, we've we've seen. I think we've talked on the show about uh, at least my distaste for the uh, the rogue Magneto uh, ship. That that doesn't do a lot for me. And that here's is, the problem. Yeah. The problem is that Age of Apocalypse was really good, and everyone wants to keep doing Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, so in Age of X, they were a couple, again. Um, and so Gambit has this great uh, sort of, hey, I'm here for you when you're ready kind of statement, which is just glorious. Um, I think you posted this page to Twitter a couple days ago. Um, yeah, I like it. It's... People in the Rogue and Gambit shipping fandom call it the Harbor Speech. The Harbor uh, Speech. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a look. Mike Carey writes a good speech, and I think I think it works specifically for Gambit and Rogue's relationship because their relationship has been built on neither one of them saying what the other person knows they're thinking mm -hmm. and how they're really feeling. So Gambit opening up and saying, Rogue, if you're not going to open up to me, like I know you well enough to know that this is what's going on with you because we've been in a long-term relationship for years and we've gone through some really weird stuff together. 
So I'm just going to say I don't know where you are right now. You obviously don't seem to be into me the way I'm into you. You've got your own stuff to work out with your powers and all this stuff from uh, your memories from Age of X. Uh, and, you know, you go sort that out. Yeah. And, you know, like he's he's mad because Rogue's not choosing him in that moment. But he's also saying, I still love you and I'm going – like I can't change how I feel. So I'm going to be here for you. Right. Right. Uh, he's he's ready to commit when she's ready to commit. And it's great. Uh, there's some other stuff in this issue with Legion and uh, a very strange thing with Rachel. But Oh, she was lost in space for a while. They go and find her later. It's a... <laughs> but we've got to talk about the second half of these two issues because uh, Rogue decides to take a, uh, a vacation trip with Magneto to Auschwitz. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, Magneto does his backstory stuff with Rogue. Magneto does kill some Nazis or get some Nazis to kill themselves in his backstory, which is always delightful. Uh, Carrie gives the backstory of Magneto here an appropriate weight. Uh, I I think he does a very good job selling that this was a horrific thing that he went through and that this is a big reason why Magneto is, you know, the way he is. I, I think it's a very cool little picture into a uh, little window into Magneto's past. I, I have no issue with that. I just, the one thing that doesn't quite ring true for me here is that Magneto is trying to use this as some sort of, I, I don't know, like a lesson that needs to be told to Gambit for some reason. Like he's telling it to Rogue and saying that if Gambit can't accept rogue's dark past that she should tell him the story about how he killed a nazi and i'm like well first of all gambit's already ready to accept rogue for who she is and then why would you tell this story it doesn't make any sense it's a it's a it's a weird it's a weird story to tell in the way that magneto is trying to use it i would agree uh i think it works as a story about magneto uh, I don't think it works in the way that they're trying to make it work, but it doesn't much matter because uh, he just, uh, they they end up saying, hey, we're going to be a couple now. Well, it, at least for the end of this issue, it's implied that it's maybe a one night stand, but I, it's not. I know it's not. <laughs> it, it does continue on, which I just can't get behind. I, I just don't, it's, it doesn't do anything for me. It's not uh, the best. Uh, I don't, I don't love it. I don't I don't ship Magneto with anyone but vengeance. <laughs> anyone but metal. Uh, <laughs> uh I, I like to think that Magneto has a platonic relationship with metal because I think it's weird otherwise. Yeah, I just I, I don't I never understand the uh the thing. I get it in Age of Apocalypse. I, I guess I got it during the Jim Lee Savage Land stuff, but beyond that, just just stop doing it. You know? Do you think Magneto's romantically involved with Copper? <laughs> uh, hey, he may have different uh, engagements with different kinds of metal. You, you just don't know. This this could be an entire elemental chart of uh, One Night Stands. Who knows? I mean, he's got a lot of attraction. I understand. Uh, wah, real, wah. real magnetic personality there. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is... This is a fun little quiet arc between big events. Uh, You get before this, obviously, Age of X. And then after this is the 250th issue of X-Men Legacy, which is really X-Men Volume 2, like the Jim Lee, Chris Claremont relaunched one. So kind of a big, big moment for them. So I'm glad they took uh, took a couple issues to slow it down. Yeah, I, I don't think we've uh, reviewed other X-Men Legacy on here before, and I, I don't... Oh, yes, we have. No, that's what I said. I th- We have. I don't think this is as good as those. Um, oh, right. Yeah, I agree with that. How do you feel about it compared to Tombstone Blues? I think it's better than that. Um, we definitely have some really great character moments here, um, but I don't know that I'm willing to go too high here. Um, is it better or worse than Uncanny X-Men Quarantine, where everyone gets sick and they stab? Whew. That had some fun stuff in it, but I think this is better. Is it? Actually, uh, mm, 
Is it better than... Is it better than Astonishing X-Men, the North Star wedding arc? What number do we have that at? I want to know where... That's at 205 right 205. now. 205. Well, I do think it's better than Phalanx Covenant Final Sanction, which is above that at 204. So... But I don't think it's it, better than 202, which is the um, Joe Mad Cannonball Fights Gladiator and then some space stuff arc of Uncanny. Yeah, where Rogue and, Rogue and uh, Joseph make out. Yes, but I do think it's better than the X-Men Gold one-shot. Perfect. We did it. We remembered how to rank <laughs> things. It's at 203. Excellent. Excellent. And hey, we, we got all that relationship stuff uh, in. And now we get to talk about uh, some committed consenting adults. Let's talk about marriage. Because uh, we've already talked about Rogan Gambit, the miniseries by Kelly Thompson and Pere Perez, uh, which we love. Uh, so we're going to talk about its follow-up, Mr. and Mrs. X. Uh, remember remember when people thought this was going to be about Kitty and Colossus for a hot second? No, no one thought it was going to be about Kitty and Colossus for a hot second. And here's why, Adam. <laughs> here's why. Please. Because until X-Men Gold number 30 came out, or at least the Monday uh, when shops got their copies and everything got spoiled, Mr. and Mrs. X was solicited as X-Men Classified and didn't tell you anything about anyone involved in it. So there was all this big stuff about how it might be a relaunch of Uncanny or all these other big, wild, and crazy ideas. And it made retailers mad. And if they would have just solicited it as Mr. and Mrs. X and maybe come up with a couple of fake covers that they could have sold as variants anyway... We wouldn't have this problem. But instead, <laughs> it was a secret, secret, secret. Yeah, and I understand why retailers would be pissed at that. Because how do you sell something that doesn't even have a cover? You know, it's just this, like, this white thing that doesn't, it, it didn't even have a title. Um, didn't even have a creative team. No, you no. Couldn't even, you couldn't peg it to anything. No, and I, I think that if you had, uh, had said Kelly Thompson is going to be writing this book, that even just that would have probably done this uh, series a, a big favor. It at least tells you who the audience is. Uh, yeah. Especially in 2018 where Kelly was uh, not not doing Deadpool and, uh, you know, whatever else she's got going on. What book just got announced for her? Um, isn't she doing Black Widow in advance of the Black movie? Black Widow. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Like... She's she's not big name or bigger name Kelly Thompson. She's still pretty small name Kelly Thompson. Uh and this story's this story's interesting. Oscar Bazaldua does the uh, art on this one. Uh he's very good. He's very good, but there's there's a handful of things in the first issue, especially in the wedding scene, where Rogue and Mystique have super baby faces, and it's the only thing I can think of when I think of his art, and it really <laughs> bothers me. I I know he's talented, and he shows that talent throughout this, uh, but I keep thinking of those just couple of panels. They haunt me. <laughs> well, it it does kind of work for the way he draws uh, uh, Cerise, and then later Zandra um, in this arc. Um, I can I I just be frank. I loved this series. I really did, um, especially the first like five or six issues of this where with the first arc with TechNet and uh, the Imperial Guard, Deadpool is here. And uh, we're not talking about issue six where they have their apartment party, but I absolutely right. love that issue too. Here's for me. I don't like Mr. and Mrs. X on the whole a ton because it's odd. Well, I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> I really enjoyed Rogan Gambit uh by Kelly Thompson. I I thought it was a fabulous series. I think we have it. Do we is it still in the top 50 or did it slide out? No, it's at 47 on our list right now. Yeah. Like it's a really friggin' good story. I love it. Uh I thought that one was while not not like high stakes in terms of plot had a lot of emotional depth. That I don't think Mr. and Mrs. X had. This 
arc feels odd to me because it starts out with the aftermath of their wedding, which is cool. And we get to see some of that. Uh, we get to see some of that emotion happen. But then they get thrown right into this weird space story involving the Shi'ar and Technet show up for a hot second. The Imperial Guard are there. The uh, uh, the Star Jammers are there. Deadpool is here for. Lord only knows why Deadpool. Hold on is a here. sec. Deadpool is there because we're following up on what was a really nice little nod to the Uncanny Avengers run by uh, Gary Jerry Dugan uh, when Rogue and Gambit hooked or Rogue and Deadpool hooked up. Um, sure, sure, yes, they kissed once. Yes, uh, and it was a whole thing. I didn't need three issues of Deadpool inserting himself into Rogan Gambit's uh, relationship in the story that is right about, hey, this is Rogan Gambit as a married couple now. Maybe let's focus on that for a hot second. Instead, uh, we get all of this weird Marvel Universe stuff, and I, I think it's 10 pounds of stuff in a 5-pound bag, and it does not fit for me. Wow. I think Sandra's a nice idea. Wow. I know. I know. I feel bad about saying it, I too. I was not expecting this take from you, Zach. Because this I, is so... I bet. Uh, I bet. Yeah. I bet if you go through... And I'm going to do this. Uh, I bet if you go through my Twitter uh, history, I was not as kind to this book as everyone else. Wow. I'm going to go... Just, we we see this so differently because I, I realize that we have had the emotional heft of the Rogan Gambit mini we've had, you know, literally decades of published story of tension between the two of these guys. And yet what's great about this, at least for me is we're going to have some fun space hijinks and those space hijinks are going to involve a really wacky like group of characters. It's drawn beautifully. Uh, by Oscar Vazaldua that like issue three, there is this amazing two. Uh, actually, I think it's it's a four page sequence of Gambit and Deadpool just like taking out <laughs> um, henchmen. I mean, there's so much great fun stuff to be had here. The the story centers around. I don't think we really got into this. Is that Rogue and Gambit are really just trying to like go into space and have some quiet honeymoon time. Um, Kitty Pride sends them on a mission to find this egg, which turns out to be uh, Lalandra and Xavier's child. Yeah, uh, I like Xandra. I like that Xandra is a uh, is a part of current continuity. Yeah, Xandra's uh, back in uh, New Mutants. Yeah, it's good, and I like it. Uh, I did. I did look up in. My note on Mr. and Mrs. X number five was Mr. and Mrs. X number five wrapped up its first arc and it was fine, but it suffers when compared to Rogan Gambit earlier this year. Kelly had the voices down, but the plot didn't do anything for me, and I'm not loving this new development for Rogue. Hope the next story hooks me more. Oh, yeah, Rogue doesn't have her touch powers at the end of this story. She absorbs people just randomly. I don't like it. Well, hold on a sec. <laughs> it's. That's dumb, okay? I love Kelly. Kelly's a great writer. That evolution of Rogue's power is dumb. But that's not the point of it, though. The point of it is that we've finally gotten this happy ending for these two characters, and yet she is stuck wearing this power-dampening collar, which doesn't let her freely be as part of the world and part of this relationship that she would like it to be sure. It allows them to do the thing that's been stopping them from connecting since day one, which is the physical contact. But yeah, they, they, they do go to bone town frequently in this comic. Yeah. But the big culminating moment on the last page of this is that because of what happens in this story, she has to put that collar back on and there that collar could be symbolic of so many different things that could be an obstacle in anybody's relationships. You know what I mean? Um, and I just think that Kelly is smart enough to, to pull this off. Um, I remember, Do you know what I feel like it's symbolic of. Yeah. God, 
the fact that it that in the 90s we couldn't just end a plot point we had to keep going to it over and over and over and over and over again like rogue not being able to control her powers and i'm so tired of it i guess i guess i (laughs) i just i just am i just am i don't have the same problem with this because i'm reading these issues and just having a really good time i'm enjoying the fact that these characters are allowed to for the most part go and have some silly fun um even though neither of them are like they're they're both just annoyed that they don't get to go on their honeymoon you know um I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I like when there are stories that, and I, I love the way that Teeny is handling this in Excalibur. Um, yeah, let's 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 put a pin in that because I do want to get back to that point, but keep going. Yeah, I just I want there to be, I, and this is the Peter Parker Mary Jane argument, right? Is that let's let these characters be together and see what kind of you know, not necessarily domestic bliss or or whatever, but let that be instead of a will they won't they that has to like, you know, continue on forever. Let it be something and see where it goes. Yes. Let it develop into things that aren't just repeating things like Rogue not being able to control her powers. I agree, Adam. (laughs) All right. All right. No, no. I, I like this. We haven't fought even before this in a while. So this is, you guys are getting some primo content. I am just kind of surprised, honestly, you know, like I, I guess I shouldn't I've got be the receipts. I just pulled them up. Yeah. I, <laughs> I know if I go back to that same time, I'm probably glowing about this. Cause the way it's laid out, I think you were the, the Jim Lee homage, uh, with the, the star jammers and the Imperial guard fighting in the outer space, I just think there's so much fun to be had here. And given the kind of like slog that we had been through with X-Men gold and, and the confusion editorially of what was going on with X-Men blue, this was a, a breath of fresh air. Do I, do I think it's as good as Rogue and Gambit? No. Um, but it's certainly a good time at the comics. You know what I mean? I hear you. I really do. Um, Here's here's kind of where I like I'm just I had the problem because I read reread this for the show pretty much right after I read uh, the latest issue of Excalibur by Teeny and mm. uh, Marcus Toe. Me too. Uh, yeah, and we may we I get we have different perspectives, but in that story, uh, Gambit and Rogue have a frank conversation about like real marital and adult challenges and issues and i feel like it's a conversation that did progress them as a couple and did what i wanted out of a book like this it did the same kind of stuff that kelly did with rogan gambit the miniseries Mm -hmm. uh but i didn't get that from mr and mrs x that's not i didn't get what i wanted from this comic and that may be what i brought to the comic instead of what the comic gave to me and we were mismatched and that's fine but for me this didn't work as well. I also super hated all of the teases in this about how they were going, you know, kids and just having a kid. And even with the Xandra stuff, which is obviously supposed to be alluding to the fact that, well, they just got married. What's next? Right. Like, give give them a second to breathe, folks. They literally got married in the first issue of this. Maybe they can go two issues without bringing up kids hey what are you my mother hey what what did they do in uh excalibur with make more mutants from issue one it's the same kind of conflict and i i think okay that... okay 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 yes i'm right? gonna let you finish but yes i i think yes very similar except for that conflict in excalibur is set up for the payoff later where Rogue and Gambit do have that frank adult conversation about family planning and what they want out of it. Where in here it was just little teases about let's have a kid because we just got married. And I hate that. I, as, as a younger parent, I guess at this point, I've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Uh, I hated having to hear for years of, oh, when are you guys going to have a kid? When are you guys going to have a kid? When are you guys going to have a kid? We're getting real deep into Zach's personal uh <laughs> annoyances here and i think that's a bad energy let's turn this around adam any final thoughts for mr and mrs x a comic that we may have the widest golf on opinions i know i'm shocked you and me 
And even I don't actually dislike this comic. I just don't like it as much as other people did. Here's what I'm going to say. I don't don't hate this at all. Is Teeny handling the subject matter better? Yes. Is this book still a lot of fun and I liked it a lot and I bought every issue of it and floppies because of it? Yes. Those two things can be true at the same time. So I agree, but we have to compare everything. I know. I know. That's what we set up for. All right. So where's this going? Uh, I do you like this better or worse than 140 the rogue miniseries? Uh personally I like this better. I think uh as as great as the rogue mini is with the Ringo art, um I, I'm just I'm I'm in love with the art in this book and I think it's more fun. But I don't think I could put it much higher than that. I mean, it was the night before is right at 138. Yeah, I would I would have to go a little lower than the rogue mini myself. Yeah. Like uh, while you were gone, uh, we covered the Shatterstar series, uh, Charlie mm-hmm. Davis and I did. Yep. And in the, in a very same way that the Shatterstar series was a series that Charlie loves to death, mm-hmm. uh, from right around the same time, and that just didn't hit with me as much. Uh, I feel I feel the same way about uh, Mister and Mrs. X, especially that first arc. Uh, I would probably say it's better than. Uh, probably objectively better than the bishop miniseries that's just a few spots down i would agree but i don't think it's as good as the generation next arc of phalanx covenant okay then we can put it between there i think that's a good compromising position i like that that's within 10 of where you wanted but that's fine i think that's no that's that's a very good place for it right there at 148 Guys, Adam and me are still friends. Uh, we just disagree with this one specific comic. That's the joy of the show. It is. It is. And do you know what else has been joyful, Adam? What's that? That we did an episode again. Hooray! We, we can podcast. I was really worried I would not remember my lines, and here we are. We made it through. No, you you hit all your marks. It was great. We did all our goofs. We had that big fight scene planned out, and I think both of us really hit our emotional arcs really strongly in that. And that's good. That's what you get from this high-quality scripted content from the Xavier Files Media Empire, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you enjoy it a ton, you can go over to Battle the Atom, uh, our Patreon page. Go find it. It's in the notes. You know where it's at, fools. Uh, and then... Throw money our way. We actually uh, revamped the Patreon structure because you guys a Patreon too good, and then we broke it on accident, kind of. Uh, y'all, y'all had too many people wanting to go too frequently, and then we broke it. Uh, so instead, uh, at the two dollar month level, no changes. At the ten and twenty five dollar month level, no changes because like not not as many of you guys were cashing out that kind of money, and that's fine if you would like to. Please go ahead. Let me know. Up your pledge. It's fine. If not, just keep enjoying this content that we provide. But at the $5 level and above, you get early access to the show, which means when I am done editing it, whenever that is in the week, you get it. Uh, (laughs) The last episode was late, so you didn't get it early. But that's fine. You got it literally as fast as I could put it They lived. Everyone lived. This one will go out sooner to your eardrums. Uh, and you get access to uh, make requests to fill in episodes because sometimes me and I were like, I don't know how to handcraft this one. I'm struggling. I need I need a support, and that support comes from you guys on Patreon. Uh, it's fun. We've gotten some really good suggestions from this. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. X from this was a request from that Patreon pool. Thank so you. Thank you, guys. Uh, or if you can't support monetarily, leave us a rating or a review on iTunes and then maybe, maybe tell a friend. That's all I've got. Adam, what are you up to? I just finished mailing out the, the Bish and Jubes <laughs> trade paperbacks and all the rewards. So that was really exciting. And uh, I guess now I have to start working on something new. Um, so we'll see what that is. <laughs> Very exciting. I got my package. It was so sweet. I was so happy. So excited about it. I, s- I, got I saw your live son. reveal uh, on Twitter. That was really fun. I got to show my four-year-old the Grimlock card, and he's like, from Transformers? <laughs> and I said, yup. Oh, I'm glad those are bringing joy to people. Uh, Grimlock's the only Transformers. He knows Grimlock. He knows Optimus. He knows Megatron. He knows uh, Bumblebee. Those are the important That's ones. It. 
got. Oh, I forgot to tell you, Adam, I like Transformers now. Uh, dude, there's a couple things that have it. happened since you I was gone. It. One, you got really into IDW Transformers, and I'm like, damn, I need to uh, do it's that. It's good. And Adam, it's it's all really good. I, I, people keep telling me this. So how are you doing it? I know. How are you reading it? On con- I had a Humble Bundle. Oh, the Humble, humble bundle, bundle that I missed. Oh, I had that from a while ago. Oh. Uh, uh, I love Whirl. Whirl's my favorite Transformer. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I feel guilty. Whirl, Whirl, he's a he's a helicopter. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, he he's a former member of the Wreckers. Mm. Uh, and in IDW continuity, uh, when Megatron, uh, the miner from Tarn, was in jail for getting involved in a bar fight, even though he was just trying to stop things, the the council sent Whirl to rough him up. Uh, the council being the Senate of Cybertron, mm. uh, which was corrupt because uh, Magneto of Tarn was writing a manifesto against functionalism. That being that, uh, you know, Cybertronians were only uh, supposed to do the job that their alternate form would provide them from doing. Uh, anyway, that radicalized Magneto. Uh, or not Magneto, excuse me, Magneto's Megatron. In- they're very similar. <laughs> they're very similar in this one. Uh, that radicalized Megatron, uh, which then radicalized the young Orion Pax, uh, who after Megatron got, uh, there was an assassination attempt on Orion, Orion Pax for persecuting Whirl, uh, did go to the Senate and ask the three questions that his friend Megatron says you should ask of any government <laughs> <laughs> this is exciting. All right, I got to get on this train with you. The other thing that happened is like the Xavier Files em- uh, media empire has grown like exponentially since I've been gone. Oh, we do stuff that's not X-Men now. I know, uh, it's guys. wild. We talk about we talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor. I wrote a short thing about Venom last week because I wanted to. Mm. We have an entire article that's just, hey, guys, do you want to write about this other comic that you didn't get a chance to write about in our <laughs> standard columns? Uh, it's great. Uh, this this week, as you are listening to this, we will have just put out nine articles, which I think is a one-day record Damn. for us. Yeah, uh, It might be over two days, uh, including the fabulous Doctor Strange, The End. And uh, the really fun Weapons Plus World War Four, which I loved, brute forces in that one. Brute uh, force and manslaughter, right? Man, yeah, <laughs> manslaughter. You haven't have, if you haven't read it yet, Adam. Manslaughter just does annihilation, like the movie Annihilation. <laughs> I got it. Just that does out. the movie Annihilation. That's perfect. But he's a man thing. I love it. Uh, it's great. Uh, all that stuff's at xavierfiles.com. You can also uh, follow my Twitter at xavierfiles. Yep, and you can follow me at Arthur Stacy. What are we doing next week? Next week, we are going to talk about what are we doing next week, Adam? I actually I think it we're up. talking about Iceman. Are we talking about Iceman next week? I guess we're talking about Iceman next week. Next week we're gonna talk about Iceman, guys. <laughs> uh but until then, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!